Uh, we're in a series. We've been looking at the kingdom of God all year long. And we've got to a kingdom people. And we've looked at the fact that kingdom people trust, kingdom people grow, kingdom people give. A few other ones that I can't remember right now. And uh, kingdom people today multiply. Multiplication is right at the start and in the heart of God. You don't have to go far in the Bible to see that Adam and Eve put their bodies into God's hands and were fruitful and multiplied. They became mum and dad to every mum and dad, as it were. Multiplication was there right at the start. It didn't take long for a man called Abraham, called by God, to put his son, his precious son, into God's hand. And God multiplied that act of faith, preserved his son, and said, I will make your descendants as numerous as the sand on the seashore and as the stars in heaven. That's a multiplication right there. It didn't take long for a man called Moses to give his stuttering voice into the hands of God and for him to therefore in God's presence set the Israelites free from slavery and into the promised land of milk and of honey. That man, Moses, met face to face with God and God gave him commandments. And those commandments were given, therefore, we read in Deuteronomy 6, to be careful for the people to do them, that it may well go well with you and that you may multiply greatly. God has always wanted a people and he's always wanted a lot of them. God's intention is for a multitude before the throne of grace. So the principle here, the first principle, I've got some principles for you, I've got some practices for you this morning. The first principle is this, is multiplication is in our DNA. It was right set in us, right at the start of creation. And without it comes both human and spiritual extinction. I think it was George Carey recently um, who said that the church is one generation away from extinction. I'm sure he wasn't the first to think about it or even to say it, but that was what he articulated at that moment a couple of years ago as he looked at the state actually of the traditional church. And unless we continue to multiply as it were, we will be no more. Israel, as they had the commandments, found it tough to live up to them. They found it tough to live up to the law and the standard, if you like, that God had set. And so in the story of the, the Bible, we hear of this one who will be sent to earth, the, the Son of God. His name was Jesus. He was to come and to walk upon the earth and to start to usher in something of this kingdom of God, to multiply the kingdom, if you like, in a new way on the earth. 
And Jesus came teaching parables, teaching stories. He taught of the mustard seed. He said the kingdom is like a mustard seed. It's a tiny little seed, but when it's planted, it will become the largest plant in the garden. What's he saying? He's saying the kingdom is about multiplication. He talked about yeast in a batch of dough, and he said the yeast will spread through all the dough, and the kingdom of God is like this. Spreading, replicating, going, multiplying. And Jesus fulfilled that as he multiplied, if you like, the presence of God on the earth in miracles, in the way that he taught, in the way that he acted, in the things that he did. And then one day, Jesus put his life into God's hands. And he created a way for many sons and daughters to come to glory. He multiplied, if you like, the opportunity that all of us could be saved from our sins as he hung upon the tree. Not my will, God, but yours be done. And he gave his life for the forgiveness of many sins that are yours and eyes. And as we trust in him, we can know forgiveness and redemption and freedom. And he pulls us in, if you like, to begin in us a seed that he wants to multiply for his glory. Jesus was the hero. He is the hero. But he didn't always be the hero, if you like. He also became a hero maker. Because whilst he was on the earth, he invested his life into his followers. Twelve of them, his closest followers, We can see this, we can see that Jesus was a hero maker by the way that he spent his time as you read through the Gospels. You see, one researcher says that Jesus spent 73% of his time with just the 12. I wonder how you think of Jesus. Do you think of him in front of the crowds? I often do. Or do you think of him with the few? Well, Jesus did both. But this guy's saying, and I think he's right, that he spent the majority of his time investing his life, his love, his ministry into those guys. Why? So that they could multiply what they saw in Jesus. That's 46 events, essentially, with the few, and 17 with the many. Here's a principle. It's a principle that I'm learning all the time. It's don't make yourself the hero. Make yourself into a hero maker. And God's been provoking me in this season to just, I have invested my life into others, yes, but I'm just getting a deeper kind of conviction of God to do it all the more to perhaps change the percentage of my time so that I might invest it in others. Sometimes I just want to be the hero. (laughs) We all want to be the hero, don't we? 
It's part of life. It's part of our fallen nature. But God calls us to do what we're called to do and then to invest it and to give it away to others. When Jesus went back to be with the Father, guess who was to take on the mission of God? Those 12 disciples that he had invested his life in. And with the words of the Great Commission, Matthew 28, in their heads, I have given you all authority. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. Pass it on. Pass it on. Pass it on. Don't keep it for yourself. Pass it on. And we can see in Acts a blueprint for mission as these men and put this into practice, a blueprint for mission and for multiplication. We can read it there. And I want to just suggest to you three priorities of what they multiplied. The first one was they multiplied disciples. They made disciples. They were telling others about this amazing Jesus and what he had done for them. They made disciples who would make other disciples. Peter on the back of Pentecost, filled with the Holy Spirit. Not so long ago, he was a failure and a bit of a, a, a kind of shriveled up kind of mess, as it were. And now he's preaching the gospel boldly to those in that place. And he says, repent. <laughs> And be baptized, just as Jesus had said. And the Bible tells us that many came to faith on that day. And then they got themselves into community. Salvation is a mark of the kingdom. It all starts there when people get saved, when disciples are made, when people tell of their faith and they tell of the good news of Jesus and they tell how he went to that cross to be a, a, an opportunity so that all of us could know. And then the Lord adds to that number of disciples. And then they get together and they disciple one another, don't they? They, they devoted themselves, Acts 2.42, to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship in community. They multiplied community. They encouraged one another with signs and wonders. They multiplied the supernatural. They helped one another with boldness to preach the gospel. They multiplied power and boldness. And they made disciples. And these disciples were such that they were made holy because of this kind of growing up in God, understanding who he is. The big word is sanctification, but it doesn't stop there. It moves to action. And they took the presence of God, as we've been hearing this morning, into their workplaces and their villages and their places of influence to have an impact on the world. What did they multiply? They multiplied disciples. The second thing they multiplied was leaders. They multiplied leaders who made 
leaders. In Acts 6, we can read this great story where they've had a load of people added to their number. And it looks like there's some complaints going on between the Hebraic Jews and the Hellenistic Jews. And the Hellenistic Jews are are saying, look guys, our widows are being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Because of the people, their structures are creaking and they're not doing what they were called to do, which is to defend and feed the, the widows. And so they have, a, they have a conversation. The disciples say, we can't, we can't give up the ministry of the word to wait on these tables. And so they decided in this great verse in uh, Acts, uh, verse 3 of uh, Acts 6, he says, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit of wisdom and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. What are they doing here? They're multiplying responsibility. People who can come and take responsibility so that the mission can continue. They multiplied leaders who would then go on and make other leaders. Third thing they did. As a result of these two other things, as a result of many people coming to faith because they were a discipling-making community, because of that, they had to raise leaders to help continue the ministry of the word and the service of the poor. As a result of all that, they formed churches. From that Acts 8 onwards to today, it's still happening as the disciples were scattered through persecution, they ended up in all these different places. And what did they do there? The very same things that Jesus had taught them to do. They made disciples. They preached the good news of the gospel. They shared their faith. And we can see, essentially, of the rest of the Bible is made up of churches that were established, first in Antioch, then in Ephesus, and in Corinth, and all the places where the disciples went with the good news of the gospel, which has just grown and grown and spread and spread. And here we are today, in the light of the fact that those disciples, that Jesus was a hero maker, that the disciples took what he'd said and put it into practice. They were obedient to the call And you and I, if you're a Christian and a believer in this place today, we owe it to them and to others through every generation who have multiplied through obedience the goodness of God. What's the principle here? The principle here is that if you make disciples, if you help people to be all that they can in God, I think it was... if you. Funke, who said, if you invest in people, then you will get the church. If you build people, churches will be the result. But hey, if you just try and do the church, people can sit in pews every Sunday morning, but they may not be becoming more like Jesus. They may not be being made a disciple of And it's a challenge for us, it's a challenge for me. 
It's a challenge as we too have grown a little. Some of our structures have been creaking. And we have, uh, as a result of seeing disciples added, we've raised leaders. And we've talked about a multiple meeting here, haven't we? I mean, look at us. There's not that many chairs left today. And this is the summer. And so we said at the start of the year that we would multiply this meeting out and we'd have two meetings come September. And I'm here today with good news. We're going to go for it. September the 10th. We're going to go to two meetings. We're going to make room, as it were, to add more disciples into our space. But do you know what? That's been quite a challenge. And I just want to take a moment to have a glass of water. <laughs> that was weird, wasn't it? I picked up my cup and then I put it back down. I didn't have a drink. I just want to take a moment to celebrate so many people who have helped us to make this multi-meeting multi a reality in September. Um, on the 14th of May, Sean did an incredible sort of call and a message to, um, we called it like Serving Sunday. Come and help us. Come and find something of your purpose uh, in God and, and be a disciple, as it were. Grow as you kind of get stuck in to find out what God has called you to. And do you know what? Since that day, we have had 68 people say, I'm, I'm in and I want to help out, whether it's in kids, whether it's in our welcome team, whether it's our super team setting up around here, whether it's on the PA desk. That's amazing, isn't it? 68 people in less than a few months. So I just want to thank you, church. I want to honor those that served. In fact, if you're one of them, if you're one of those people who, who have said yes to that new in that respect into a serving role, why don't you just stand now? Because I'd love to just applaud you and honor you. Thank you. That's the good news. We have been, we're able, come September the 10th, to be able to resource three out of four of our meetings in a month with two sets of kids' work and two of everything else, essentially. Um, we, with our children's work particularly, haven't quite managed to hit that final base, okay, so that we can do all four weeks with everything that we would want to do. Okay, so that means for one week out of the month, we're not going to have any supervised children's work in our building, but the building rooms will be open and you can, as parents, go and be with your children if you need to. Now, that's not an ideal scenario, and we're hoping that by January, we will have had more people saying, hey... I want to find out more about what God's got for me in this place. I'm going to give of my time in that area and see if I can help in that way. So there are still some things that you can get involved in. Don't feel left out if you haven't yet got involved. We'd love to have you. There are still opportunities um, 
for you. And it's part of discipleship. It's part of grow, it will grow you. If you offer to serve, it will grow you. In that place, you will find out more of God's purpose for your life as you get involved in that way. So it's a great moment to celebrate. There's still some work to do. People like Hannah Rolova, Sean, others on staff have done absolutely incredible being hero makers of others as they've sought to raise leaders and identify people who can help in all of those different places. We've got lots to thank God for. He's with us. He's with us. And we're making room so that we can multiply disciples, so that other disciples can find their gift in God and become leaders. And so it goes on, and so it goes on as we begin to impact this community for the glory of God. Okay, I've talked about a couple of principles, talked about a couple of priorities. Here's a couple of practices that I want to just work out in the last um, kind of 10 minutes or so. I want to read passages of Scripture. You were wondering when I was going to get to Scripture, weren't you? Here it is. This story, this is Jesus feeding the 5,000, would have been one of those moments that Jesus would have gathered his disciples to show them a principle and a practice and to teach them something. And what he was teaching them was all about multiplication. And it says this. Uh, I'm going to start just there. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran, out, ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, You give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. It's a well-known story, a well-known story of multiplication. Here's some practices for us to take away from it. First thing I want to suggest is to, to settle on what God has called you to do. God has 
called us to be a multiplier, to be a disciple who makes disciples. Jesus said, you give them something to eat. I mean, it's crazy. The amount of people that are there. In John's gospel, we see Philip saying, it's just, he's trying to work it out in 50s and 100s, and how much would that cost? It's half a year's wages. Jesus, what are you talking about? Have you lost your mind? Would be what I would be saying. It also says in John's gospel that Jesus asked him that question because he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus knows what he's doing. And he's called us to feed a hungry, dry world. There's a lot of hungry people out there. And we feed the world by being witnesses of what Jesus has done in our lives. We partner with him to bring about his plans and his purposes on this earth. You know, sometimes I think that we can shy away from the fact that this is our job. (laughs) That we are witnesses of what he's called us to do. We think more about human reproduction, i.e. that you you have to be mature enough, i.e. 12 years before you can like multiply in that way, as opposed to viral replication, which is what I think the gospel was more intended to be. That as you hear it, it so transforms you that you can't help but share it. In a virus, the, the, the virus is most potent at its point of transmission. The longer the virus stays around, the, the longer the host has got time to fight it and to nullify its potency. And some of us have been Christians for such a long time, I believe that we've been inoculated to the fact that God has called us to be a witness to the world. I have a friend who I work with a small group of people coming out of Alpha who some are saved, some are not. And uh, he's recently made a commitment. Um, He was with us for a long time and then he decided to give his life to Jesus. And almost like the very next week, he was at work and he said, we were meeting together in a little small group and he said, my boss asked me this question. My boss asked me, what is it with you? What has got into you? Something's really changed with you. And um, this guy, he just, he's just dumbstruck that someone would recognize that. And, and I said, so, so what did you say? What did you say? And he said, well, nothing. I just smiled and walked away. <laughs> and I was like, it was just gold moment. Because then we talked in the group and said, well, what could you have said? And we had people saying, well, you could have said that what, what, well, what, is, what is the difference? Well, I've met Jesus, he said. And I was like, so next time when he asks you that, what are you going to say? And he said, well, I'm going to tell him that I've met Jesus and that he's transformed my life. And as a result of him, this is who I am today. Um, and it's just this, this settling on what God has called us to do. And you and I can be these people by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. He doesn't let us do it on our own. He helps us to be 
that people. Second thing is just to find out what you have. Jesus asked, how many loaves do you have? He said, go and see. Go and see what you've got. Turns out there were four loaves and two fish. What have you got? What has God given you? If you've got faith in God, you have a story that is very powerful. You might not think your story is powerful. It is powerful, let me tell you. Because God has been part of your story. You may have love in your heart from God. Jesus had compassion on this crowd as he looked around them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Do you have compassion? You can share it with others. Compassion is what we lead from as we share our faith. Do you have gifts and talents? I'm sure you do. If you don't, we can help you find them and we want to help you find out and explore what they are. But you can use them for your glory. I love Peter and John in, in, in Acts early on again. They were um, at the temple gate and there was a beggar there. And it's like we've been praying for healing today. They were praying for this, this crippled beggar. And the man, the crippled beggar, asked them for money. And Peter and John, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have. Like, I know what I don't have as well. But I know also that I have a God who is a God of the impossible, who can do the miraculous. And so they said, what I do have is faith in Jesus. And they prayed for him, and he got up and walked. What resources do you have? Do you have a house? You can use it for his glory for multiplication purposes. Do you have a car? Where do you work? Where has God placed you? I've loved these everyday kingdom stories of different people in different places having different influences where God has placed them. Do you have money? Some of us put our small amount of money into God's hands. Recently, an offering... We believe in him to multiply it for good. Final thing, and this is where what I've just said comes into fruition. We submit whatever we have, and you might think it's only small, into the multiplier's hands, and we act on it in obedience every day. This verse 41, Jesus taking the loaves and the fish, he lifted his eyes up to heaven, he gave thanks for them, and then he gave back to the disciples for them to distribute. Disciples went and found something, bread, fish. They gave it to Jesus. Why? Because he's the multiplier. What did Jesus do? He multiplied it in the heavenlies, And then he gave it back to the disciples to distribute. You see that? Well, Jesus could have just fed them. They could have just had bread fall in their lap. We've seen him do that before with manna for Israel. Why? Because he wants to partner with his people 
to bring about his plans and his purposes so that they would catch something of multiplication by a miraculous God and put it into practice when he was not there to further God's kingdom to the ends of the earth. I love that. What do you have? Give it to the multiplier. Submit your gifts. Submit your responsibility. Submit your lack. But recognize what you've got. And then give it to him in faith, in obedience, because he'll give it you back so that you can work it out all for his glory. Isn't that just like God to help us in that way. By the power of the Spirit, he'll give it to us in order to feed a hungry world. And we can leave the results with God. We can leave the miraculous multiplication aspect with God. We just got to take a small step of faith and trust him. Will you put your life in his hands and allow him to multiply you for the glory of God? That's the big question today. He wants to. He's good at it. He'd love to. And he will. We're going to pray. But first... One way of demonstrating multiplication for us today, okay? This is a take home, all right? We have some cards. I have them in my phone here because that's the way I carry them around. And it says there's a place for you here at Citygate Church. And this says come to Citygate Church at 10.30 and these are going to be out of date in September, And I've just realized this, and so I've started to give them out everywhere I go. Okay? This week, I've given five out. It's not bad. It's not bad. I gave one out to a bakery in Brockenhurst, one to the Tobury Carvery, one to a guy who tried to ask me to give to a kidney charity. Turned out he was a Christian. So I took my card back. (laughs) And blessed him and prayed for him. One in Starbucks, I just leave them on the table. It's not hard, it's not difficult. But someone could pick that up. Because God's the multiplier. I've put one on every chair. So I've done five. We could do 500. There's 500 of us roughly in this room. That's multiplication, right? 500 people could get the chance to see this. Five people got the chance to see it with me. With all of us, 500 people might get the chance to see it. We don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. Some will go in the bin, I'm sure. But you never know what God will do. That's a card. Imagine if I gave you five cards to do this week. 
That's 2,500 people who might pick up something of, oh, there's a church. And they're saying there's a place for me and I'm feeling really low and desperate and lonely right now. That's multiplication. Imagine if this card was a person. What would that look like for souls right now that are lost? Imagine if we were all able to disciple three, five, into faith and the rest of the time that God has given us on this earth. Imagine what ramifications and effects that would have. So let's pray. Let's stand together. Father, I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful that Jesus was the hero. I'm also grateful that he invested his life to make other heroes. Lord, I thank you for the heroes that have invested their time in my life. (laughs) I think of my mum and dad who have brought me to the place of loving you. Father, thank you that for many of us in this room, we know you. We know that privilege. And Lord, I pray, would you shift our thinking and help us to understand that we are to multiply ourselves and to multiply your message every day, wherever we go. Lord, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit to work through us and in us so that we can speak with boldness and confidence. Lord, I thank you that we can start with just leaving a card on a table. But Lord, I pray you'd take many of us into being able to speak the truth of the gospel and see many drawn to us that we might have the privilege and the pleasure There's nothing better than replicating the life of Jesus in us, in others who don't yet know him yet. And Lord, I want to see that for your glory. And I pray that you'd make us a community increasingly that would see multiplication for your glory. Lord, help us to impact this community in incredible ways. That your name, your name, the multiplier, will be made famous in this place. All for your glory, Lord. I'm just going to wait a moment. Just let God do what he's doing in you. Maybe he's nudging you for leadership to take responsibility. Maybe he's dropping names into your head that you're to make a disciple of. (laughs) And you're thinking, God, these don't know you yet. 
That's the idea. He wants to use you to bring them to know him. Lord, I pray for fear that it would be dispelled in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for anything of the enemy that would hold us back from being the people that you've called us to be. And Lord, I pray for the Holy Spirit. Empower us, Lord, to be your disciples who make disciples. Amen.